There are many ways people listen to vision, including on smart speakers. Just tell your smart speakers to play Vision Christian Radio. Alexa, play Vision Christian Radio. Vision. Yep, it really is that easy. You can also say, play V180 Radio for our music channel. It's just another way that Vision is helping you look to God daily. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Ruth Powell is joining us. Dr. Ruth Powell is Director of NCLS Research. Now, she oversees the National Church Life Survey, which forms one of the largest, most comprehensive databases on church in the whole world. There's lots of detail about the Australian church and your opportunity today to interact. Well, the last survey included more than a quarter of a million church attendees from more than 3,000 churches across 23 denominations. And Ruth has been a researcher and writer with the National Church Life Survey right back to its beginnings back in the early 1990s. Uh, She has a PhD and focusing on the differences among church attenders. So she knows what you and I are like. And she's also Associate Professor in the Office of the Deputy Vice-Chancellor of Research at the ACU. Ruth Powell, welcome along to 2020. Thanks very much. Ruth, it's not that long ago we were talking, and at that time we were discussing just what people are like in church. And some of our conversation might go a little bit that way today as well, because mm-hmm. we wanted to open our talkback lines so listeners can be part of our conversation. They might have a question for you about church and denominations, and uh, you'll have your finger on the pulse with all that sort of thing. But first of all, uh, tell us about the National Church Life Survey, because there's another one scheduled for later this year. That's right. It's um, It first started in 1991, when a group of uh, leaders, church leaders, mission leaders, really, in New South Wales, were really trying to grapple with the fact that so much had changed in their own context. And they were talking in the language of you know, mission language to say, mission has come home and we need to focus on our own backyard. And they were looking around and going, how do we learn about who our neighbours are? So they they employed some mission researchers to actually listen and learn from from the people around and go, what are you saying about God, about church, uh, so that we can actually share our faith more effectively with you? How can we be church effectively in contemporary Australia. And out of this beginning, this idea grew that said, you know, if we if we as churches work together, we can do more and we can support each other in a time of change. So an invitation went out across all the Christian denominations to say, as we learn about our community, what if we learn about how we are going as church and use that to build a healthier, more vital church in Australia? And that was the very first National Church Life Survey. We thought it would be one a one-off project that we'd all be done within the year, which was you know ludicrous really, because it turned into the biggest the biggest project that was happening in the world at that time in 1991. And the churches then every five years at the same time as the national census have said since then we need to keep listening and keep learning. We haven't got it all worked out. This is a journey of change and growth, and therefore they have for now 25 years paused. Once, at this time of the census, the national government census, we do this parallel church life survey. 
What we've got is an amazing snapshot of the church in Australia, and uh, we'll try and uh, bring out some of that amazing, colourful uh, detail of what is going on in the church. It, it is aligned, as you say, with the national census. I know that some people will be thinking the national census is showing a reduction in numbers of people each year who align themselves with the Christian church. Are we surveying a shrinking number of people? Is, is that a genuine sort of concern that some people might have? Look, I think it's, it's important to think about apples and oranges. I think they're what the national government census is, it's a, uh, a survey of um, the population and housing effectively. And so they will go to every house in the country and say, how many people are in this house? How many people, what jobs do you do? How old are you? Where, where were you born? A whole lot of things. They're mapping the whole population. That's what a census is. And that's the government's job. That's not our job. And one question they ask and have asked for the last 100 years is, what is your religion? Now, it's a very simple, bald question in a way. And in a, I think of that question not so much about whether someone is a practicing Christian, maybe has a, uh, the nature of their faith, their belief in God. It's not asking that. It's really asking, do you see yourself as having uh, a religious identity? Do you see yourself as belonging to a particular tribe, if you like? And you say, I might belong to the Catholic tribe or the Anglican tribe. And so in that question, every single person in the country can identify, I, I belong to this religious group. And that's what the government is tracking. And what we have seen over the last uh, decades is a decline in that number. And so we're sitting in the last census, we were at uh, 61%, 6 out of 10 Australians, still identified with uh, being religious. They, they said, I have a religion, I, you know, I belong to a particular group. The Christian, uh, that's the Christian identification has declined. And the main thing for us to, to learn from what that census is telling us is the, the no religion group, the people who ticked the box no religion ha, has increased. And they're saying, I don't identify as Anglican, Catholic, Baptist anymore. So even if my parents did, I don't have that as part of who I am anymore. And you know what? In in the next census that happens in August, there is a really significant change to that question we've just learned about. They are going to put the no religion category at the top of the list. And that's the first time in Australian history that that's happening. And so that says something about where Australia is at, that they're expecting that no religion is the most common answer that people will give. Last time it was about 22%. It could be this time for the first time that there are more people that say that they have no religion than have than say have a Catholic identity, which is the largest group. They had 25% last time. So it, in a sense, it's it's... It's a real turning point for Australia, not in terms of how many people believe or even go to church. We're not asking those questions in the census about how they identify. Well, it is an important change that is about to display. And, uh, and we might, I, su I suppose, Ruth, uh, expect that when this particular next census comes out, mm -hmm. it might actually give a more accurate uh, uh, um, 
picture of uh, of church in Australian society. And, and I, like everybody else uh, who I talk to about that whole issue of changing the order of the census numbers, uh, mm. really uh, agree that it somehow or other is going to skew the figures uh, with what we've heard before in previous censuses. censuses. But, but there is a sense, isn't there, uh, that when people are identifying no religion or none, uh, mm-hmm. And there is a contrast between those that do identify with a religion and are a part of church life. It actually helps us to uh, to say, well, what is what's going on here? Uh, what is the weakness in the church that needs to be addressed? How do we actually relate to people in the broader community? Because there are those who are somehow aligned with the Christian church and those who have no desire to be aligned with the Christian church at all. But there's there needs to be interaction between the church and those who are rejecting the church yeah i think it's we often think about um how people express their their being religious and the simple way of thinking about it is you say there's believing belonging and behaving and so when we're talking about identifying we're talking about a statement of belonging do i feel i belong to this group and you're quite right that we will probably get a better sense a truer picture of how many Australians feel they belong and it's like they used to say you know you're born Church of England and you die Church of England you know that's the old language which we don't even have the Church of England anymore in Australia we have Anglican Church Um, but it was that sense of um, you have that and certainly with the Catholics it's still true that it's really part of I'm I'm Italian and I'm Catholic it's part of who I am Um, the other parts of being religious though are how you believe and that is perhaps uh, of, of greater interest perhaps to some of us where we're going, do you actually, regardless of what you say about your, who, where you belong, do you believe in God? Do you believe, what do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe? So that's, that's a different way of thinking about it. And then there's behaving. And that is probably um, a sharper point as well, going whether, whatever you say, um, do you pray? That's a religious behaviour. Do you um, do you read the Bible? Do you do other devotional activities? And this is beyond obviously Christian um, groups. It's it's anybody who is religious, and you have other religious practices. Do you meditate um, as well? And and going to church is a behaviour that is probably the clearest indication we have of of people who are practicing their religious faith, committed to the the church as an organization and investing in that. Because these days there's so many reasons that people are disengaging from church life. Um, And so if we know that those who actually go to church, that tells us a, a whole lot of things about their beliefs and their belonging and their behaving. Well, Ruth, I want to invite our listeners to join in our conversation. You might have a question for our special guest, Dr. Ruth Powell. You might have your own comment to make about church life in Australia. You might like to comment on the census. You might reflect on the last time you filled out your form for the National Church Life Survey. You might have your own thoughts or questions about believing, belonging and behaving because uh, it's an interesting way to, to frame that, Ruth, because, yes, there are people who believe, but they don't go along to a local church. But the ones that do go along to a local church probably have something more of a sense of belonging and their behaviour is probably somewhat different. Uh, how do you actually uh, you know, make an assessment about the differences? Um, one of the things we did some years ago was we did a study of um, the whole community, a sample of Australians across the whole community. 
we found that people who stop going to church mostly don't do it because of conflict, because they've had a big falling out or something like that. It What, what seems to be the most common story is you sort of drift away. You don't intend to disconnect. Um, and often it happens when people move house. So it's like you just sort of like you get out of the habit of going. And then it's quite hard to get back into the habit, if you like. But what we found was because there was a whole there was a whole thing for a while that going, look, it doesn't matter if you go to church or not or if you practice with your behavior. Um, it's all right. You can believe without belonging. And what we have found and what other researchers have found over the decades now is while it is certainly true that you can believe religious beliefs without going to church, it actually becomes very hard. And over time, it those beliefs erode. They get softer. And we actually have found, and others have found in other countries as well, that the being part of a group of people who continue to reflect on what you believe, why you believe, and what it means for everyday life, the practices of of having faith or seeking to follow Jesus or even, I'm talking again beyond Christianity, if you have a religious faith, if you don't, it is easier, we're built to do it with others basically, you know, it's the thing of where two or three are gathered um, and, you know, we're not built to be alone. And it's the same with religious faith that it is easier and will sustain longer if you do it with others. So belonging and behaving religiously actually strengthen your believing and it, 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 it's a, it goes together better. We are taking calls on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's hear from Roy in Logan Home in Queensland. Hello, Roy. Welcome along to twenty twenty. Hi, Roy. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are this: um, I regularly go to Hillsong in Brisbane, um, but when I filled the census in last time, I ticked no against religion because I don't cons- I'm a Christian but I don't consider myself religious in that way that they call it that I don't belong to necessarily to a denomination at all. Uh, Roy that's an interesting perspective mm-hmm. and one that actually has the danger associated of skewing the figures of people who are church attenders but uh, your thoughts Ruth on on what Roy's sharing. Well, Roy, you, we've been suspecting that people like you existed and you've just proved it. <laughs> so this is very interesting because we've had this suspicion that people who take no religion, some of them are saying, I don't care anymore, I don't see myself as religious. And others are saying, no, this is too important to me. And it's not, it's the difference between saying, I, do you have a religion? It's like the word religion has become a bit corrupted. And people want to say, I'm not religious. Maybe they want to say, I'm spiritual or I'm a Christian. I don't want to tick any of these boxes because it's bigger and more important than that. And your your case study, your example, really proves that point that even the language of saying, what is your religion is is becoming problematic. Things are changing. So, yeah, you you wanted to say something more when you ticked that box. Now, what what will happen is that you will end up in the no religion box, and people will go, "Aha! See, um, church doesn't matter anymore. People don't believe in God. See, they ticked the no religion box." So, I would encourage you next time, Roy, um, when you get that census form, go for the box that says other and write in Hillsong. 
or write in Pentecostal. And then what the government will do with that is they will read that and they will put you in the box that says, here is a person who is associated with um, Hillsong, which is a Pentecostal church. And then the Pentecostal churches can actually get a... See, their information is actually skewed at the moment because people disappear. Um, they don't, they're not counted properly. Uh, so I encourage more widely, everybody, make sure you put, if you don't want to tick, you know, put yourself into the other box and write down where you go. Roy, while we've got you on the phone still, uh, the idea of uh, not uh, ticking a religious box, it's because, isn't it? Because as a Christian believer, you say, I'm not so religious-minded because I have a relationship with Christ. This uh, difference between religion and relationship, that would be the reason why you'd, you would have ticked the box last time you, the way you did? Yes, for sure. And mm-hmm. uh, and, I, and I think here, I think what you're encouraging, uh, uh, Ruth, is you've got a relationship with Christ, mm. but you'd still need to broadly identify that you are a part of the Christian religion and even put your denomination there. Yes, it's, it's really, it's the only way that you can tell the government that faith is important in your life. They're they're not going to change the question because they've been asking that question for the last hundred years in that way. So they're not going to change it. So, but for those of us who think, hear the word religion these days and hear something different to what it was used for a hundred years ago, um, I would I would encourage you to go. If faith is important to you, then make sure you don't tick the no religion box. Put something else because then that's communicating that that faith. Uh, relationship with God is important to me. Roy from Logan Home in Queensland, thanks so much for your call today. Our talkback line remains open on 1-800-316-316. You can join in our conversation. What are your thoughts on believing, belonging and behaving? How much do you know about the person who sits next to you in your local church? You might like to express your thoughts today. Our very special guest and answering your questions and responding to your comments is Ruth Powell. She's director of NCLS Research. She oversees the National Church Life Survey. And there is a snapshot of Christians in Australia and uh, Ruth is the holder of some wonderful detail, wonderful information and wonderful perspectives on the church. You can be part of our conversation on 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from Robin in Cabramatta in Sydney. Hello, Robin. Welcome along. Oh, hello. Uh, Yes, I've been a Christian for... Centuries, it seems like. <laughs> yes. But I'm not, I don't, I used to belong or I used to feel like I belonged to the Uniting Church, the Wesley Centre in Sydney, but the Lord really t- led me out of there. He actually told me to leave because of many things that were happening there. And now I'm not a part of any group. The main reason, I think, is that I can't stand the music that goes on. I don't like the contemporary music, but I am Pentecostal in faith. I pray, read the Bible, I meditate all the time. I spend a lot of time on my own praying to the Lord, seeking the Lord, seeking more of his power. But I know the Lord wants me to reach out to others, and I've been afraid to do that without someone um, being with me, you know, strength in numbers. But I find that I really do have to do that. In fact, I'm going 
into the city today to do that. But Robin, let's get a few thoughts from Ruth Powell mm. on the sorts of things that you're sharing and how others might identify with that. Mm. Well, I think that's uh, your comment about music. Can I pick up on that one? I think that's that's really interesting. It used to be uh, that when we were trying to understand what was happening in music in churches, we could really, we had a question. We said, do you like traditional music or contemporary music? And it was really drums or no drums, you know. And we find that question doesn't work anymore in churches because... Um, certainly music is incredibly important in worship. It's incredibly important to people's faith. Uh, but what we're finding is it's things are changing. And can I encourage you perhaps to, to continue to find a church with a Pentecostal flavor that may have different styles of music, that if, if the contemporary style of music perhaps is too loud or not your cup of tea, there may well be other options out there. For example, I heard recently a number of large Pentecostal churches who are, and I think Hillsong in Sydney is one of them, who've started an acoustic style uh, worship service because there were lots of people saying I'm getting a bit old and it's too loud <laughs> and I'd like to just sit down and when I and I'm bombarded all week with um, noise and work and when I come on Sunday I just want to reflect and be still and and you know be fed to be lifted up to be encouraged to worship God um, but I actually prefer another style of music or etc. So bless the churches who are actually experimenting and saying music is so important. We have to keep thinking about how to uh, provide music and it may involve different you know, gathering times. And, you know, in other traditions, the Anglican tradition, you'd have the 8 a.m. service, which was a very different service to the 10 a.m. family service, for example. Um, but I'd encourage you, because if music is important, um, there, there may well be opportunities out there that align with your Pentecostal sort of, uh, you know, tr- traditions, if you like, that don't, don't sort of bombard you in the ways that you, you're not so keen on. <laughs> Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Great to have you along with us. The Monday edition 2020, our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. We're talking about the local church in Australia. Dr. Ruth Powell, our guest, she's director of NCLS Research. She oversees the National Church Life Survey, one of the largest, most comprehensive snapshots of church in the whole world. And your opportunity today to share your thoughts, ask a question. You can do that on 1-800-316-316. Let's take some more calls. Shelby is in Sunnybank in Queensland. Hello, Shelby. Welcome along. Hey, yeah, uh, Ruth and uh, uh, Neil. Mate, love the show. Mate, um, uh, I just want a question um, for Ruth it's in the sense that she was saying before of another listener, um, the question has been asked for years, what religion? But, like, for my way of thinking, I know I go to two different churches. Um, uh, many years ago, summer of 1980, I was carted off the uh, Hillsongs, and I've been there pretty much ever since. However, because I'm doing family history, and we were, we were Lutheran, we're, we're Prussian, uh, German, um, I've gone back to the Lutheran church, and, um, you know, I go to two ones. I go to the uh, Mancotton, which is the one where our cemetery is for our family, grandparents and fathers and uncles and so on, um, and, of course, the Redeemer. But the question, in a sense, is that we've got the gay community, which are the, you know, 
minority, less than 7%, the rest of us are heterosexual. Um, if we've got them pushing um, for, um, you know, if, for this marriage equality and all these things which are not natural, um, and yet we say that we can't push to have this Christian word put in a census. Um, you know, I'd like to think that we could and get it back to where you were saying, because most people aren't relating to any sort of um, uh, religion. Um, maybe that could help us in the in the area of, of the Christian um, uh, people and the Christian belief. Shelby, uh, interesting thoughts in there. Uh, Ruth, uh, could you understand everything that Shelby was saying there? I think I caught it enough. Yeah, I think at one level we can we can let the government know that we we think that their question is change like they are changing their question and we think that the meaning of the words is changing and we'd like to let them know that. I guess the National Church Life Survey, which is our project, which is a parallel project, is not controlled by the government. That's probably what we've got control over. And that's where I think it's really important for as many churches to take part in that because we can give another story and we can say a whole lot more about how people believe in God, how, how they're serving, how they're you know, engaged, involved, volunteering, um, sharing, you know, being salt and light and yeast in their communities. By doing the National Church Life Survey, we can give a, a counter story. Okay, well, thank you so much to Shelby from Sunnybank and uh, we might be able to get into it a little more in the next hour but there was an interesting issue that uh, was raised there with Shelby and the idea of going along to one church uh, but then really feeling that there is an affinity with the roots of his family's Christian foundations back to the Lutheran Church. Uh, well, let's hold the line on that. We might be able to come back to that question. Uh, let's hear from Robin though in Mount Morgan. Hello, Robin. Yes, hi. Um where do I start? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm finding that the more I get to know God, and I I'm a real avid Bible reader. I mean, I study it every day for hours, and um, I listen to good preaching all over the world. But I am finding more and more and more that I don't feel comfortable in churches. And um, the more and more I study, the more I real I'm studying biblical Hebrew now because. I'm wanting to go back to the roots because I'm seeing more and more how the church right back from the Middle Ages has really gone astray and I can understand now why the Jews get upset with so-called Christians. What I thought was Christian before, meaning I really believed in Jesus, I'm finding more and more and more that a lot of traditional church thinking is is you know is what is judging everybody and um robin and time is short let me just uh, bring ruth in there for a comment on what you're sharing there because we're almost at news time yeah i think the important challenge for churches is to disentangle culture and things that they've picked up along the way with what is the true heart of christianity and i think following jesus is probably the best the best goal for all churches because that's what they're supposed to be about building building the body of christ and being part of the kingdom of god and it seems to be that in an information age where we've got access to so much information all around the world that somehow or other what we were always taught in church uh, there are some new embellishments or new dimensions that perhaps we were not exposed to in our earlier times. Thank you so much to Robin from Mount Morgan. Great to hear your uh, input today. We're going to continue our conversation. Our talkback line remains open on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 316 Dr Ruth Powell is our guest. Ruth is Director of 
the National Church Life Survey Research. Back with more after the news. Coming up, Afternoons with Matt and Rochelle. Coming up the Sava, we're going to be hearing from a man who used to be the third strongest man in the world, who's now a pastor in Hawaii. And we'll hear from Murray Boyton from Christians Against Poverty about a brand new initiative they've got called... Hey Ruth, let's continue to take a call or two. Let's hear from Ross in Bunbury. Ross is in Bunbury in WA. Hello, Ross. Welcome along to 2020. Uh, yes, uh, good morning. And um, I just want to revert back um, uh, to the conversation previously, although uh, I must uh, comment on the people that I sit next to and opposite in church. Um, I feel very, very comfortable because they're fellow sinners, including the person preaching from the pulpit. <laughs> that's so, right, um, that's good. I, I'm very comfortable and I enjoy going there and look forward to worshipping every Sunday. However, I'd like to ask Ruth a question. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, at my age, I'm going on memory. It's a bit dangerous. Uh, the last couple of censuses, Australian census, uh, question 19, I think it was, uh, asked what religion it is or what religion you are, uh, and it's an optional question. Uh, it's very, very confusing because they go through and give examples of a religion, Muslim, um, Hindu, Buddhism, and then they go into Anglican, Roman Catholic, Baptist, and so on. Uh, my understanding is that uh, the last three, and most of the examples they give, are denominations of a Christian religion. Uh, and uh, there's many uh, variations in the Muslim religion and Hindu, uh, so it, it, it appears to me that the Australian government really hasn't got a grasp of uh, asking the right question in the first place. So I revert to giving um, the one at the bottom, uh, which is other, and I put Christian, because nowhere on the census form is the word Christian mentioned. And so have you got a comment on that? Is this something that seems to be... Um, uh, uh, put out purposely or is it just an accident? Uh, Ruth, it is a controversial issue and uh, one you might not have power over, but your your comment on, uh, on what Ross is sharing. Uh, yes, you're right. Uh, the way that the government does that question, question 19, firstly, you're quite right, it's an optional question. Uh, it always has been optional. And it was only in 1971 that for the first time they introduced the option of no religion. So that was a real change point. And I think, as I mentioned earlier, the fact that no religion is going to be on top of the list is, is also a real change. The way that they come up with that list, they, because they've got um, a, a census form with, you know, not a lot of room on it, the way they come up with that list is they use everybody's answers from last time and they work out which are the biggest groups in Australia. And so they will look, and because, for example, the Catholics has always been about 25% of Australians always tick the Catholic box. So they will put Catholic in that list and name Catholic because they're trying to make it easy for people to answer. Um, so they, they get that one. And Anglican, they know there's going to be enough Anglicans who tick the box and they put Anglican. And that's the case. So they're really putting the largest groups as they understand them, in the list. And then they know that there's all sorts of other variations and that's why they put other. And what we need to do to help the government is to continue to uh, inform them and, and educate them with how to code the other. Because there's just then a whole team of people that sit and read the other ang answers and then code them. So it used to be, you know, so your Christian answer will go into a box just that is other Christian. And they'll count you in there and they'll put you in that total. But people who want to put all sorts of variations, um, often it gets lost. So, you know, last time I know, I'll pick a, uh, an example, 
those who put, they had assemblies of God in the list, and then anybody who wrote Australian Christian churches just went into other. And their answers then split. Now, we know that Australian Christian churches is, they, they were assemblies of God. They're the same group. Um, but because the census people didn't know that, they've split their their votes so or split their their categories um, but the ones that show up are the ones that are the biggest groups I'll tell you another example last time churches of Christ wasn't in the 2011 list of churches because they had dropped below the threshold not enough people ticked churches of Christ in 2006 so the government went well they're not big enough to bother giving them a category so they just get to go into other so now churches of Christ people don't have much information anymore. That's, well, so that's how the question works. Thank you so much to Ross from Bunbury in WA for your insights and your input today here on 2020. Our talkback line remains open on 1-800-316-316. Uh, Ruth, just before we take another call, uh, I suppose you've got to think very carefully about what box you tick when the census comes around this time uh, because uh, because if you don't actually tick something that's relevant, uh, you might be just lost in the in the otherness of uh, of. All all of those other responses. Yes, they've got a whole coding thing that they try and do their best coding. Um, so, but this time the question will be: What is the person's religion? The top one will be no religion. Then it's Catholic, Anglican, Uniting Church, Presbyterian, Buddhism, Islam, Greek Orthodox, Baptist, Hinduism. Those are what the government thinks are going to be the largest groups. And then there's a big other. So if you're Salvation Army, if you're Lutheran, if you're Jewish, if you're Pentecostal, you're going to have to write something in. Okay. And just to affirm, too, that the census is separate to the National Church Life Survey, but uh, we're certainly all very glad, Ruth, that you've got all these insights about the census as well, <laughs> uh, because uh, we wanted to talk today about those sorts of things that you know make up who we are as the church for those people that, that are actually participating in the National Church Life Survey. And, and uh, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll continue to take some calls, but uh, uh, we'll continue uh, with uh, Dr. Ruth Powell. You might like to be part of our conversation one 316 Let's hear from Emmanuel in Perth in WA. Hi, Emmanuel. Welcome along. Hello, all morning um, over here in WA. Yep. Um, just a quick thing about the caller two callers ago about how um, the church, this was relating to the church and how people uh, find the church a bit disenchanted. Um, over the weekend, we... Um, Myself and my wife looked back at the Bible because we, uh, well, my wife felt a bit disenchanted with the church. And um, I found a passage, um, I think it was in Romans, in relation to um, bearing with one another um, and making sure that we build each other up in the church. I mean, this this side of heaven, we're going to be uh, all mishmash of sinful, sinful people. But um, I suppose the thing, um, thing I'm saying is that you know, it's still good to go to church um, because, you know, ultimately Jesus will see us um, when we go to heaven. But um, this side of heaven, obviously, you know, things are going to be a bit different. I just wanted to say that. Emmanuel, that's great. Uh, some mm. thoughts from you, Ruth? 
Yeah, look, I think I think it is a good encouraging word, and we know um, as researchers, as I said earlier, it goes together. If you are, if you do belong, it in, it builds your believing and it builds your behaving. It bu- builds you as a person of faith to to do it together. I think the the, the churches need to hear people say, "I don't feel I belong. I feel disenchanted. I feel disappointed." things like that. That's an important challenge and it's hard and it's a prophetic word to the churches going, you're missing the mark here. And I think that there are a lot of churches and our work is really being that megaphone to the churches going, you need to listen what people are saying. Where there is a mismatch, you know, where we're missing the mark, we need to be honest and vulnerable and courageous to, to do the work to actually to, to help church be healthier, be stronger, be vital. Um, then I think there's the, the challenge back, which in a sense you've done a very gentle challenge back to people to say sometimes we turn into consumers and it's part of what's happened in, in, in society generally where people think about what's in it for me and is it working for me and what, you know, and if oh, I don't really, um, you know, if it's not quite my cup of tea, I might go somewhere else or not bother or something. And sometimes... You do have to make that step of putting in and building something up. And and yes, it sometimes I'm, I know that there are places, you know, and situations that need improvement. Um, and and so it's it's really hard to to determine whether it's a how to invest back into the church. But I think the call is we need to do it together. And Jesus says, you've all got a part to play. And this is important to to build up my body, to do what it's supposed to do. And if it's not healthy, well, let's do what we can to make it healthy. Thank you to Emmanuel from Perth in WA. I guess the church is God's idea. So uh, there is a sense in which we have to fit in with his plan. Uh, but it's not always easy to do. one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's hear from Hendrick in Dolby in Queensland. Hello, Hendrick. Yeah, how are you? Good. Uh, I'm going to talk about you know, how people get a misunderstanding about the Christian churches. We, we've joined together with them, but we are still Dolby Christian family. We are still uh, um, in uh, the Pentecostal Church uh, because I grew up in the Pentecostal Church too, but the reason we joined together in uh, together is because uh, it's more you know you got more to say. The more numbers you got, you have more say. That's, that's that's why we joined together. All right, uh, Henrik, I think you're right there. And uh, some thoughts from Ruth, uh, if you could pick up what Henrik was saying. If we're coming back to uh, the census, I think that's right. I would I would encourage if you're part of a Pentecostal church, um, there's so many different Pentecostal churches that from the census point of view, I would just encourage you all to just put Pentecostal, whether it's the Christian Family Church or the so-and-so church or whatever it is, just put Pentecostal because that will be a better way to actually be counted and not just disappear into some other, you know, invisible box. Um, in, in terms of... Uh, Christian worship, again, I think that what we're seeing is churches co- cooperating more and the differences between different faith traditions are, are being watered down. And that's a good thing, I think. And when you ask people in church, look, do you see yourself, you know, you go to church, um, but do you see yourself as a Lutheran or an Anglican or charismatic or evangelical? You know what one of the biggest categories is? Most people go, look, I don't identify with those labels. Similar to what we've been hearing, I'm a Christian. You know, I'm a Christian first. 
And that means uh, that when people in churches gather, uh, it is it is becoming more and more possible for people to collaborate together, to do things together, to worship together, to serve together. And that, I think, is a really positive and exciting um, sign for the churches. We're borrowing from each other's traditions. You know, there's um, Baptists who are using um, monastic, you know, ancient monastic patterns of worship, um, people using hillsong music everywhere, uh, people using traditional reflective contemplative music, like we're, we're learning from each other and I think that puts the church in a healthier, better place already. Thank you to Hendrik from Dolby in Queensland, one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's hear from Bruce in Tasmania. Hello, Bruce. Oh, look, listeners and, and people involved with this program, I think it's wonderful to hear such thing because um, I've never heard it before. I, I've been um, involved with the church for many years and taking Bibles into China, and that was where I found a, a real church where people were doing exactly what the uh, Bible teaches, love one another and help one another. But the, the main problem is is love. Um Paul says, if you haven't got love, you uh, can do everything beautifully um, according to the word and that, but without love it's wasted. And how do we get love? We've got to ask for it. It's like forgiveness. If you can't forgive somebody, you say, well, look, I know I've got to forgive the person, so I choose to forgive them but you've got to give me the love, uh, the forgiveness. Great thoughts, Bruce. Uh, Let's hear from Ruth. Ruth, does the National Church Life Survey, uh, can it accurately in any way reflect how we love, uh, what our expectations are of love in church life? Yeah, well, it's it's a big one, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I think you're you're absolutely right, and I think that 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 old you know they'll know we are Christians by our love is absolutely true. And as we, in a context of election time, where people position themselves in different places on different issues, I think I I, I hope that Christians show love first because that will be the most powerful witness um, anywhere at all. Look, what we've learned from our National Church Life Survey, which is a survey of people in churches, is a whole range of things. One is we ask them about their own satisfaction with parts of their life, with their own meaning and purpose. And what you find is people of faith are chock-a-block full of meaning and purpose. They go, I know who I am. I am a child of God. I know that I have purpose in life, that what I do has worth and I have worth. Um, Obviously, people are in all different places on that, but I think that's one thing we learn, that having faith... um, goes with a life of of meaning and purpose. Um, we also see love in the actions of people. And, and we see that church attenders who are living out faith, supporting each other, are people who are the most likely Australians to volunteer. We've got, if you want to find a volunteer who is out serving others, either providing care or welfare or involved in justice actions, looking to... to you know, look after the widow and the orphan and the marginalised, the person, the, the alien, the foreigner, the, the outsider, the asylum seeker, the refugee. The people you will find are people who are Christians, who are committed to faith and who are following Jesus. And that, I th- think, is like, it's like the fruit of love, you know? We see the actions that follow because there is love. We see the way they say, I feel I belong. I feel that there are people here who will support me in times of trouble. 
And so again, there are witnesses in our survey, while it feels a bit funny to go, oh, a survey comes out with this. I would say that I can see in the results that people are saying, I have experienced love from others in my church. I have experienced love and I have practiced love with my own hands and feet. And Ruth, if you feel like your local church somehow or other pulls up a little short on the love factor, this is Mm. the sort of thing with the National Church Life Survey that can identify areas that need to be adjusted, uh, fine-tuned, and uh, right from the leader down through the congregation. That's right. If if we'd encourage and hope that every church in the country takes part in the Church Life Survey, it'll happen in October and November this year, and you can go to our website, 2016.ncls, sorry, 2016ncls.org.au, and there's lots of information there. But if you take part in the survey, if your church takes part, we will give every local church a report, and we will, t- we will feed back to you um, a picture of what the people are saying. And there's three areas, four areas, I'll say, that we're looking at. One is, what do the people in your church say about their relationship with God? Does the church help them grow in their relationship with God? The second thing is, they get to say, is this a church that helps me in my relationship with each other? Do we support each other? Do we offer friendship? Do we include other people? Do we feel we belong? The third area is, what about the relationship with the wider community? Uh, What about reaching out? Do we do that with our hands and feet? Do we speak about faith? out to other people. So we give you a picture in those three areas, relationship with God, relationship with each other, and relationship with the wider community, because we think that's what a church should be doing, those three things. Then the fourth thing that we'll feed back to every church that takes part is information about how they're feeling about the future. Do they have a sense of where they're being called to, where they're going? And what we know is if you've got leaders who are equipping and empowering, there, and that there's a sense of vision that people are committed to and a sense that there's a, a, a confidence in the church, then that church is well positioned and is in a healthy place. Even if you're tiny, even if you, no matter where you are, that if you've got that sense of we are confident that we can do what we're setting out to do, then that is a church that's going to move forward, that is going to build strong relationships with God, with each other and with the wider community. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Dr. Ruth Powell is our guest. She is director of the National Church Life Survey Research. There's another National Church Life Survey due out later this year, October, November. And Ruth, as I mentioned just before the break there, people who are a part of churches in some far-flung communities, and I say far-flung because you don't feel far-flung, but but if you're on the if you're in the outback and there are those of us maybe on the coast, somehow or other there's a big difference in locations. So if your church has never participated, uh, there's a way you can get in touch and register to be part of it. Ruth, what's the best way for people to contact National Church Life Survey? Well, the best way is probably online. If you go to 2016ncls.org.au, on the front page you'll see somewhere that says sign up. And if you click on that, you'll find three different options. One is that you can find your regional coordinator. We're working through 20 different denominations and regions. And if you're part of a whole lot of the main denominations, then there'll be somebody who can actually support you. For
For example, if you're in a Lutheran church, I know that the Lutherans are paying for every church to take part. So make sure you can contact them as an example. Um, other groups are also paying or providing subsidies. Baptists in Queensland are providing subsidies and paying. Uniting Church is paying in a lot of cases. So if you're part of one of those denominations, find out if they've got some funds to help you take part. Um, you can also contact our office directly and you'll see the details there. Um, but info at ncls.org.au uh, You can get onto our, our office here and we can send you out an order form um, or help you just say how many surveys do you need so that your people can be heard. We'll give you information back at your local level and we'll also give information back uh, to the leaders who are responsible for whole areas. If you're really, really tiny and you think we're, it's, you know, there's only five of us here or nine of us here or something, we'd encourage you to actually work in the district, in the region with other churches and we can actually make a little cluster of you and make sure that, again, you're part of it, uh, part of this big national moment um, which, which is really important and we do want to hear from even the smallest groups um, because that's the true picture of Australian churches. And Ruth, just affirming, it's not intrusive. In fact, it's quite a bit of fun filling out the survey and, uh, and seeing what questions are being asked. It actually helps you think about your own faith as well. Well, that's right. We find people take it very seriously. Like, I know some pastors and ministers are a bit, you know, unhappy about their service being disrupted. But we say, look, it's 20 minutes every five years. Will you give us just 20 minutes every five years? And those who do take part... The way it works best to have a successful survey experience, we say prepare your people well, communicate about it well, make sure it's part of what you're seeking to do in your own mission and ministry, build it into your own story. And then you can say we really care about what everybody's thinking and saying and God will speak through all the people as we find our way forward. So it's a very, it's a useful tool. It's just a tool and there's many other ways to listen well, but it's one way that we can hear hundreds of thousands of voices and say, where are we at? How can we build a healthier, vital church for the sake of God's mission in this country? And if you're not sure if your local church is registered to be on this year's National Church Life Survey, take down this website, send it along to your local church leader, pastor or priest or whoever is leading your church. It's 2016ncls.org.au. That's 2016ncls.org.au. Dr. Ruth Powell is Director of NCLS Research. Ruth, great getting your insights. And in the lead-up to the survey this year, let's do this again because uh, I'm sure that the uh, uh, listeners to our conversation today would want to hear a whole lot more of what there is to share. Ruth, thanks so much for being with us on 2020. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been great. You won't know how much of a difference the world... Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.